0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to the PBR Juco Wire podcast presented by Netting Professionals. Mike Rosenbaum from Prep Baseball Report here, greeting all you bandits tuning in for season two of the show. In a few minutes, you'll hear from my dudes Tad Slowick and David Seifert as they break down all of the teams and players they saw at last weekend's Puma Classic. If you're interested in learning more about the players you hear in this episode, head to prepbaseballreport.com juco for videos and scouting notes for those players and many more. But first, a couple quick housekeeping notes going into year two of the podcast. PBR's Fall Juco Scout Day calendar is filling up fast, so please contact your PBR State Director or us if you're still hoping to schedule an event. As you hopefully saw last year, all of the TrackMan, Blast Motion, Swift, and or ProPlay AI data collected at our events is compiled at the national level to create our Scout Day data leaderboards. In addition to hosting more Scout Days, our Juco Scouting staff is expanding our tournament and showcase coverage this fall to get more early looks at teams and players ahead of the 2023 season. So if you're not already doing so, please give at PBR underscore JUCO a follow on both Twitter and Instagram. Once again, that's at PBR underscore JUCO. Follow us to stay updated on all the latest happenings from across the junior college baseball landscape. Okay, we're going to take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsor. But when we come back, we'll be chatting with Tad and Saif about the Puma Classic. All that and more coming up on the PBR JUCO Wire podcast presented by Netting Professionals. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting Professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for baseball and softball, including backstops, batting cages, BP Turtles, BP Screens, Ball Carts, and more. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, and dugout cubbies. Netting Professionals continues to provide quality products and services to many recreational, high school, college, and professional fields and facilities throughout the country. Contact them today by calling 844-620-2707 or emailing them at info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at nettingpros.com and be sure to check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Welcome back to the PBR Juke Wire podcast presented by Netting Professionals. We're now joined by Tad Slowick and David Seifert, fresh off their trip to the Puma Classic in Indiana where they saw 30 JUCO teams play 18 games over two days. And now they're joining us to break down the event. Syf, Ted, welcome back. Um, our, our two most popular and uh, frequent guests here. So ha- great to have you back, guys.
1: Thanks, Rosie.
0: Hey, Mike. All right, guys. So you were there, both there, for the, the two-day event, the Puma Classic at Grand Park in Indiana. Um, 30 teams, great look at a lot of Midwest talent, early look at Midwest talent. Obviously, it's the fall here. Um, what was your takeaway from from the event in general? Uh, what was the competition like? You know, what did you really like about it?
2: Well, I thought that uh, the event was put together very well. We got uh, 14 uh, nationally ranked teams from last year came to it. Uh, there were uh, four World Series appearances by teams. And, you know, I just think that the amount of talent that came to that event was just uh You know, tops. I mean, it was it was really good and it was uh, kept us totally busy the whole weekend. So,
1: yeah, it was certainly a place to be be if you like uh, strong arm pitching and a lot of guys with high pitch ability as well. So really good event all the way around.
0: Yeah. And you guys uh, were were stationed at some of like the more uh, higher profile games and saw a lot of the more high profile prospects, some of them on the same team. So let's jump right into it here and talk about the Heartland team. Tad, you mentioned that there were four Juco World Series clubs last year. Heartland was one of them, a Division Two team. Um, they they really showed out on, on the first day of the event, both in terms of positional talent and pitchers. So, you know, if you guys want to jump in here and, and talk about the standouts from that club, who are also probably, you know, among the standouts at the event.
2: Well, I think in general with Heartland, I mean, uh, they're, they're, they're going to be pretty scary this year because they got the, the core of their lineup back. And then they added uh, uh, some quality pitching. So, I mean, they're going to be even, I think, better this year than than they were in the past. And, you know, maybe they could bring home the whole thing this year. And, uh, you know, they're going to be tough to beat uh, in a series because they got depth, too. And uh, that lineup is just going to be awfully tough to pitch to.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're, they're just loaded with pitching. They can uh, run Isaiah Jackson out there, a right-hander, smooth delivery, does it easy. He was up to 98, uh, was just playing catch at 93, 94. He has a breaking ball. He has an above-average changeup. He also has high pitchability. So they can they can run that guy out there, you know, a top three, four-round draft type of guy. But they can also – and you're going to have to help me with the name here, Tad. But they also have a lefty, 82, 84, last name Buell. Uh, that can just slice and dice, and I mean, so they can go in both directions with a, a high pitchability lefty or the righty that can just blow it by and just show you his stuff. And they got some other guys in between too. Mead Johnson was really impressive. He's an eighty-eight to ninety-one right-hander, breaking ball, changeup, good projection. I think he's going to blow up at some point this fall or spring. Uh, uh, you know, touching ninety-one, he's not there yet as a guy guy, but I do think there's three, four, five more miles per hour in him. Over the next couple of years, whether he gets there sooner or later, you know, time will tell. But uh, their pitching staff is loaded.
2: Yeah, I definitely thought that the the contrast too that they have, you know, like you're talking about Buell, you know, last year I saw him dice up a team for seven innings with twelve punch outs, maybe one walk, throwing multiple back to back changeups and just knows how to pitch and, and is he gonna do nothing but win games.
1: Yeah. I, th- I mean, we saw a lot of innings there Friday and Saturday and there's only one inning that I saw was quicker than the two that Buell pitched. So, uh, um, he, he, he went six up six down, I believe, or maybe seven up six down, but it was, it was two minute innings both time. Very impressive.
2: Yeah. And I agree with you on Mead Johnson. I, th- I think he's, uh, the guy there that, uh, you know, he's a big, strong kid who's going to be able to log a lot of innings for them. And, uh, you know, pitched uh, deep into the game all the time. And, you know, I think all those guys are capable of doing it. Uh, you know, I don't know how much work the bullpen's going to get with those guys in the starting rotation because, uh, you know, they definitely got weapons. And I, I I agree with you that Mead Johnson might be a guy you might see blow up this uh,
0: springtime. So, guys, just to circle back to Isaiah Jackson for a second here, since he, you know, busted out and set a new Puma Classic record by touching 98, how much background did you have on him prior to this event? Um, you know, what's the history look like? Is he a name that, that uh, folks are obviously going to need to keep an eye on now going forward?
1: Yeah, he's, he's a local kid. Um, um, he's from Champaign, Illinois, which is about 40 minutes from Bloomington Normals, which is actually where I live. So I've seen the kid when he was a freshman in high or excuse me, a senior in high school. Um, PBR Illinois has known about him for a long, long time. He's always been a guy. We went to John Logan as a freshman. Got injured, didn't pitch much. Um, came home. He hasn't really pitched much. So he kind of just kind of went undertook a rehab uh, as far as getting just getting healthy and getting his pitching stuff together here at a local pitching academy. Um, and I've been hearing good things about him so far in the two weeks that Hartland has been back at the fall. But I was just kind of, I'll admit, I was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, you know, he's got to do on the field, right? You can hear all this great stuff about a guy, but if he's not healthy or is just out there walking everybody. He's not a guy, but uh, the Heartland coaches who I've known for a number of years, they were, you know, they're saying, hey, he's he's a different guy now. He's doing well. And I was like, I was still in, you know, by the dugout before their first game, still kind of like, okay, yeah, let me just see it. Well, I saw it, and he was really, really good. So, uh, tip of the cap to Jackson for again getting healthy and just becoming a better pitcher. And in ninety eight ninety eight. That's yeah, that was fun to watch.
2: Yeah, Coach Razzo said that he was up to 96 this summer. So I think he made a lot of strides this summer, like you said, getting healthy. And the one thing that really impressed me was uh, that changeup he threw. Yeah. He threw a dirty 86-mile-an-hour changeup where the bottom just dropped out of it. And uh, he had great arm speed to it. And I think once he learns to tighten up that breaking ball, too, I think he's going to have a power slider. He's got a chance to have a power slider, too. So. Uh, you know, I think he's working on that, and
0: you know, I think you're going to see a pretty impressive kid come out in the spring. Yeah, hearing you guys talk about him, the biggest takeaway for me isn't isn't the velo; it's the pitchability you're talking about. I think that seems to really stand out, given the caliber of arm and, and the remaining projection.
1: Right. I mean, a lot, a lot of guys. I hate to say a lot of guys touch 98, but if you ever look at the heat sheet on D1 baseball, you can see all the guys that touch 98. So, I mean, where he where he separates himself those. He can get up to 98, pitch at 93, 94, but it's easy. It's not the head's not flying off. There's not a ton of effort. That's actually very low effort. Um, he's online, direct to the plate, so he's going to have that control. But as Tad just talked about, the changeup. He's got an above average changeup. He went uh, breaking ball for a strike, and then elevated the fastball at 94 for a swing miss strikeout. Very next hitter, he went he went change froze the hitter on a changeup, and then. Uh, through the, the through the fastball inside inner half and uh, just blew away that hitter too I think he actually got that guy looking so um, there's pitchability, there's a good delivery there's athleticism there's stuff I mean he he has it all there's very few guys that have it all so I say top three or four rounds um, on that look on just that two inning look on that day I mean he was easily a top three round guy but you got to add in the history and you obviously have to add in every other inning he's going to pitch between now and the draft so um, right. Certainly the the best prospect of anyone at, at the Puma Classic for me. Yeah, definitely live
2: body athletic. And, you know, you could dream a lot with this guy for sure. And I mean, the stuff's already there. Plus you could dream a lot. So it's a uh, you know, pretty special kid going into
0: spring. All right. Let's, let's talk about Heartland's offense for a second here. Uh, Sif Sam Antonacci is a guy that you've been banging the drum on for, you know, a, a couple of years now, basically. Um, and, and he, did everything you wanted him to do in in this look on Friday, right? Uh, barreled up balls, um, you know, tattooed one. So what what was your takeaway from Antonacci and how much has he really elevated his prospect stock in the past year?
1: I mean, for me, I had not top five rounds last, last spring, summer. I mean, uh, you know, we I first saw him at Heartland Scout Bay last year and I was kind of like, you know, it was, it was, he's probably about the 10th or 11th hitter to go and kind of, you kind of just zoning in at at that point. And all of a sudden he gets up there and he starts whistling, whistling the metal through the zone. I'm like, Oh, who's this guy? And he was a true freshman and he was just whistling the bat, uh, not really launching him far, but hit hard off the bat, you know, driving into the gaps. And then, you know, he ran, he ran a six, eight, five, I believe. So average runner, he's got really good hands, good feet on the infield. Um, So I already had him as a guy, um, Mentioned him a lot last spring to guys who would ask. And uh, I guess really, I don't know really where it went from there, but I know he started getting uh, recruited by some Power Fives last spring. Um, decided to come back to Heartland. He looks like he's put on about 10 or 15 pounds, but, I mean, the tools are, are there. They've always been there. Uh, but I think the one thing he did do at the Puma Classic is he hit a 433-foot home run. I think x velocity it was like 104. He absolutely just launched it. And I think that's the thing that um, – Many scouts have probably not seen him, but those who had seen him, they're probably waiting for that just to show me the power. And uh, but just by showing that, I mean he's a 5 tool guy, so um, yeah. especially with this extra added weight and strength he just he just uh, put on as well.
2: Well, the thing about that uh, Antonacci and and the rest of those Heartland guys, you see them; they'll, they'll perform. You know, I mean, you're you, you know, you see these guys and they got tools and they got ability, and then you see them in the game. You know, they don't. Not able to translate it as easy, and uh you know that's one thing Antonacci does is he translates it real easy, you know I don't think I saw him hit poorly in any of the games I saw him last spring, and uh you know he's just a gamer that comes to play all the time and he performs so you know it, it doesn't matter the talent level the good talent you know against uh lesser talent you know he brings his game a game there all the time, and uh that's why I really like about the kid too the makeups they're definitely on top of the ability,
1: yeah, I mean, when I was an area scout and cross checking, I mean it was like that's what you're looking for you the guys who we have less question marks about those are the guys who are worth the most money right the the less question marks or the less things you have to fix or change those guys are worth the most money, those guys go higher in the draft, and I mean, yeah, certainly could be. I mean, he's twitchy, but certainly he could be even more twitchy. He's strong; he could be even more strong. But I mean, we all can be that, right? But I mean, his combination of just athleticism and skills and performance—I mean, he's a—he's a, he's a pretty—that's a pretty high guy, right there.
2: Well, I think too, uh, changing gears a little bit, uh, your uh, Minnie Schwarber comparison to uh, Bobby Atkinson, I think, is a good one. I mean, uh, obviously Schwarber's done it at the highest level so far, but, uh, you know, uh, seeing, you know, Schwarber in college and then seeing where he was at and, you know, there's some comparisons there. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, Atkinson was a little under the radar, but I don't think anymore, uh, you know, I think he proved his worth there too, uh, being able to swing the bat consistency and, you know, I, I think he's another guy, too, that I've never seen have a, a poor game at the plate. You know, he's always getting it done and, you know, driving the ball to all fields. And, you know, there's a, your, your good, good
0: quality college D1 hitter right there. I agree. And guys, in terms of some of the other teams that you saw at the Puma Classic, um, moving away from the D2, there were a lot of D1 programs there, D1 programs that were ranked in our top 25 last season. From those teams, guys, what was your impression of those early rosters and especially some of the standout players that they showed at the Puma Classic?
1: Well, I thought Kirkwood's catcher, Burkhalter, was was their best position player. I mean, he pretty much, he's kind of under the radar and quiet, but he definitely has the tools and shows the bat to ball skills. I mean, he's going to be a solid, I think, mean, power five conference catcher. Um, and then they just, Kirkwood always seems to find arms. And the funny thing is, they all look the same. They're all long, lean athletic. You know, they're all like 6'2, 185. And uh, Tyler Rama just does a, a crazy good job of recruiting pitchers, projectable pitchers. And, uh, you know, they, they had a lot of fun arms to watch throughout the day.
2: You know, they, I mean, uh, I agree with you, Syphie, you know, they, everybody's coming out throwing 90, 93 and, uh, you know, with a good breaking ball and throwing strikes. Uh, you know, one guy that kind of intrigued me too, was that Zach Sabres kid. He's a converted catcher. You know, I guess he just started, uh, taking the mound regularly, uh, recently. So, uh, you know, he was a kid that came out, they started him right away. And, uh, you know, ball came out of his hand easy. You know, he didn't look like a catcher thrown out there, just chucking it out there. You know, he had some athleticism and some feel for what he was doing. And, uh, you know, he threw a, you know, I think he was up to 94 or something like that. And then he had a good uh, good, uh, good breaking ball and, uh, you know, really threw well. I mean, I was intrigued by him, you know, being a guy that's uh, coming from behind the plate, you know. Uh, you know, that's just another guy that added to an already uh, staff with a lot of pitching depth.
1: And I mean, speaking, of, I don't think we mentioned them before, but you can check your notes. But I think Lincoln Land was another uh, Juco World Series team last year. Um, and they had an interesting arm. You know, talking about uh, guys transitioning to the mound, Trent Kohler was interesting too. I just saw him throw a handful of pitches. But I mean, he was 90 92, good arm action, good delivery, had a breaking ball. And you know, their main guy is Mitch Dye, I believe is is his name. He was more ninety ninety three. He's more uh he's more polished, what have you, more established as a pitcher. But uh, you know, they had Lincoln had a couple good arms as well.
2: Yeah, strong kid, you know, is a strong kid. And uh yeah, it was uh you know, I think that's one thing too that Lincoln Land was a little bit down on last year, the pitching. You know, they had guys who could compete in the game, but, uh, I didn't think they had as high end as they do this year. And so, you know, hopefully they're going to make another trip back to the world series. Uh, you know, so I think that with the pitching was the the missing puzzle and they, and they better be pretty good because they're heartlands in their region. So that's going to be one heck of a matchup all year is, uh, Lincoln land and heartland.
0: I imagine you guys will be at many of those matchups. <laughs> Definitely. Don't it's a safe bet. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's change gears for a little bit and talk about Dyersburg state. Um, they had some of your guys' seemingly favorite arms. So let's dig in there. Uh, Dylan King and Kevin Matos, two right-handers who took the mound and, and seemingly impressed you both. Seif, Tad, what was your impression of both of those dudes?
1: Man, when King jumped on the mound, I was like, all right. Cause we had seen Isaiah Jackson, you know, very excited there. He's, he, to me, he's the number one pitcher from the Puma, but, uh, when King jumped on the mound, I was like, oh, my goodness, uh, I love this guy. This is kind of what I've been waiting for. You know, you sit there and you see a lot of good arms, but nothing that is really, like, super good, like top five round type of pick. But Dylan King, I guess he's a tran- transfer from Charleston Southern. But he jumped he on the bump. You know, he's six two, six three. He's loose. He's athletic. Clean delivery. It was repeatable. Uh, fastball 91-93. And then he throws a sharp slider in the upper 70s. Throwing strikes, it was easy. I'm just like, all right, this is what we're looking for. So I guess he's actually 6'4", 200 pounds, but uh, 6'3", 6'4", all about the same. But uh, he was he's my favorite guy that threw him Saturday. I mean, he, he's a top-five-round follow. Uh, if the draft were tomorrow, that's where I'd consider him.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely King was a standout on on that team of, of of a club that had some other good pitching, too. You know, they had Gorey you know, threw up the 92 with a little hop on his fastball and a sharp slider. And, uh, you know, like I said, Mottos had a good arm and, you know, there were some guys who I think, uh, didn't perform maybe to the expectations, but, uh, there's going to be some depth there too. Uh, if they get, they get all those pitchers on uh, and, uh, Working on all cylinders. I mean, it. I, I think they could be a tough weekend uh, matchup for anybody. You know, uh, I think they're going to have some depth on the mound as well as, uh, you know, the an quality and King and Mottos and gory up at top. So,
1: and we're forgetting their lefty. Uh, the lefty had a good arm too. Uh, I gotta find his name.
0: Anthony he, Figueroa.
1: Thank you, Figueroa. I mean, he. I don't know if he wasn't fully warmed up when he started, but he started slow, you know, his first eight, ten, twelve pitches were like, Okay, he's he's good, but he's he's you know, you know, kinda of seen it. But then he had a twenty, twenty-five pitch inning but he finally figured things out. And and that's when it got really good when he had his high spin fastball going, and he had his changeup work and his breaking ball working. And I, I don't think we saw the best of him, but uh, he was certainly interested as well. No no doubt.
2: I mean, uh, Figueroa has been uh, a lot better than that. You know, he's been up to 94, 95 before with a, a good breaking ball. You know, he had great strikeout numbers from last year. And, uh, you know, I think he, they're counting on him to be an anchor on that staff. And, uh, Like I said, that's pretty good staff, and uh, you know I I think they're going to have a lot of depth and you know cause a lot of problems. Obviously, they got uh, Walter State staring in their face, so um, they're going to have to be ready for them.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty good big three right there with uh, with King, Matos, and Figueroa. That's a pretty good weekend rotation. Yeah, there's a lot of Division One schools that don't have that weekend rotation.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, you know, uh John Logan also had some 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 quality guys out there throwing, you know, Matt Tarr was real strong, brace and shoe. Uh, uh they had
1: uh Pesca was interesting as well for me.
2: Right, right, Pesca was good and you know, just all guys that had to come out there strong and control strikes and you know, I thought that was uh you know, they had some depth too, so like I said, on the weekend series, they could be pretty strong too, as well as, uh, you know, Wavash typical uh, stuff, you know, they had, you know, Miranda, and then uh, uh, Langavin also, Luis Philippe Langavin. we're going to be talking about that name, I think, quite a bit come uh, springtime and in the winter, and, uh, you know, I mean, he's a good, strong, big, strong kid that pounds his own with a... Fastball slider, and uh, you know, I think uh, yeah, he's going to be good. And then, you know, Miranda is just a big, strong kid, uh, rear back and fire. And you know, I think yeah, he's going to be a guy that's going to be able to pound his own too. So, you know, out of those three clubs, I mean, you got some really good depth of quality pitching on those clubs. So,
1: yeah, Langman reminds me a lot about the, the guys, and I know Coach Fournier is no longer at Wabash, she's. Onto Western Kentucky now. But when Fournier was there, they'd bring in guys like Langman who, you know, who had good arms. Langman was 92, 94, and good stuff. Langman had a swing this slider and a sinking changeup. But the pitchability needed some polish. But the, he's the type of guy that Wabash Valley has always polished up. So I think by spring, I mean, Langman's already a guy that you need to go see. But I think, you know, through the spring, the end of the spring, he can get that polish. He's going to elevate himself in the top five, six rounds as well.
2: You know, they have a the lefty, also uh, Frost, that I think is going to be yep. good. I don't think he pitched as well as he's been throwing. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to be uh, ready to go. That was one interesting thing I'd say about the uh, the event. Uh, it was such a big event. I mean, there were college coaches, pro scouts, uh, as far as the eye can see. And I think a lot of those guys came out and really really overly fired up and overthrew a lot of them. You know, there was a you know a few walks early on and everything. And I just think they just came out all fired up, trying to impress everybody. And you know, a lot of times when these guys settled in, it was uh, you know they started throwing a little better. So,
1: yeah, I think two two more arms, Ted. That I know you had a better look at, at than I, but uh, you had the two right-handers from from Olney. Um What do you have on uh, Duenas and uh, Small?
2: Yeah, Hunter Small, really, really like him. He's a strong, athletic kid. Uh, you know, he's uh, up to 93, I think, and with a good slider and, uh, you know, pounds his own. I mean, you know, he repeats his delivery. You know, talk about easy innings. He had a couple of easy innings there. And then uh, Zach Duanis, also a uh, big 6'10 uh, guy, you know, with long arms and legs and uh, just gets that leverage. Uh, you know, he was 90 to 92 and he spun his breaking ball pretty good. He had a little sharp downer curveball at 73 74, which had some bite to it. So I think there's a lot to think about there. I think that guy's going to have a big upside. and. You know, improving. I mean, and he's six ten and slender. I mean, there's uh, definitely uh, some pounds he could put on that body. And you know, I just like his leverage on the hitters. You know, you get those big guys in the big, you know, like you've seen in the big leagues, coming downhill on those hitters, man. That's rough to handle that stuff. So, uh, you know, he did it did it pretty easy. The ball came out of his hand real good, and you know, really liked uh, both of those guys. You know, only uh, you know,
0: I thought was uh, pretty strong on the mound too. You guys, Jeffco had a couple of uh, interesting left-handed pitchers as well, too, here that, that you both seem to like. Um, what what can you tell us about Jacob Jarvis and, and Dalen and Stewart, lefties from Jeffco? I mean, Jarvis, to me, had
2: great stuff. He came out in the first inning and just uh, dominated uh, with, uh, you know, fastball, you know, running fastball, you know, throwing at about 89-90. Uh, yeah, he had a really good sharp uh, downer breaking ball, 76-77 as a power curveball looked like which was uh you know very good had a lot of bite to it and you know just dominated the hitters in the first and then like i said in the second he came out and i think he overthrew a little bit but uh you know he's uh you know a quality guy and 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 the interesting thing about them too is is they had like four lefties that all looked almost exactly the same stuff wise you know between 88 and 92 and just uh through real well and uh you know they're gonna they're gonna do some damage last year last year they had the, all those hitters with uh matt shark and everything but i think they really loaded up on the mound especially with left-handed pitch and i think jefferson's gonna be a team that that we got to really keep an eye on this year uh, obviously crowder's in their region and they got some other good clubs but uh you know i think jefferson has really improved and uh definitely on the mound and uh you know, the, the Stewart and uh, Jarvis and uh, Rich and, you know, those guys, uh, you know, all are going to be, you know, quality guys for them. And, you know, the pitching is is going to keep them in a
0: lot of games. All right, guys, let's talk offensive prospects for a second here. Already talked about Sam Antonacci, talked about Trent Burkhalter. Um, who are some of the other players who really caught your eye this weekend?
1: I, th- I thought the top catcher there besides Burkhalter was Tyler Heron from Parkland and, uh, I'm heading out here in a couple hours to go to Parkland Scout Day, so I'll get an even better look at Heron here in about four or five hours. But uh, he created a lot of buzz. I mean, he's got a plus arm back there, maybe a little bit better. It's on the money. Um, he's got really good energy and just good presence on, on on the field, good leader. And then at the plate, I know it was over two games, but he had three base hits and one was for extra bases. Uh, moves well, he's athletic. So I think overall the, the scouts and college coaches were, were buzzing a little bit about Tyler Heron at the end of the day. Yeah. I thought the,
2: the catching overall was pretty good there too. You know, you got a from Heartland and, uh, uh, I know Kyle Hayes, who's more of a, a bat guy, but you know, for Kirkwood and he, you know, him and Burkhalter are going to be a, a dynamic duo behind the plate there for them. And, uh, you know, so I thought the quality of catching was real good. Noah Juris from, uh, Triton was pretty solid. And, uh, you know, so I think the, the quality of catching was pretty good in the event, uh, you know, guys who sit out for me, very athletic guys, you know, Ben Higdon was, uh, the guy who did it for me. Uh, you know, he was, uh, just a, a strong athletic kid, uh, transferred from Memphis and, uh, you know, just did it with the bat, with the glove, just good all around player ran well. And, uh, you know, I think that he's got a, a huge upside and, uh, you know, he really stood out for me, uh, especially when he drove that opposite field home run, like I think 365 uh, at a bad exit below of like 100. And, you know, just, you know, just driving the ball well consistently all day, you know, got a lot of hits. And
0: and that's Ben Higdon well. from John Logan, Ted?
2: Yeah, from John Logan. Yeah. You know, so and, and they had another outfielder there, Trey Hondras, who also I thought played well, you know, an athletic toolsy guy. Uh, you know, showed some power with the bat. You know, he had a home run too. And, uh, you know, just uh, had a pretty decent approach at the plate, you know, athletic, live body guy. And uh, so I think Logan's got a couple pretty good outfielders there. Not to mention uh, Jim Roosti, uh, who was the fastest guy at the Puma Classic, who ran a, you know, he's a 6 two sixty guy. And, uh, you know, he was out there bunting and he let everybody know it. And, you know, he just kind of outrun that ball to first base. And, uh, you know, he's a he's a strong athletic kid, too. So, you know, I think there's some tools there just beside the speed. And, uh, you know, he was an interesting character. So they're going to have three quality outfielders to run around out there and catch balls for him.
1: Yeah, the speed really stood out to me, too. I mean, besides the Logan, G, how do you how do you say it? Nick Giamarusti from Logan, TJ yeah. Williams, much easier name to say, too, by the way. Uh, infielder in from Heartland, he could really run too. So there are times I thought we were at a track meeting on a baseball game.
2: Yeah. I mean, Kaskaski had a, a bunch of guys that could run. Even Ren Lake had some guys that could run. I mean, there, there are some really, uh, strong runners, you know, there was some speed at the event, definitely. And then uh, other hitters t- to me who stood out was Hunter Lay from, uh, Lansing, you know, came, coming off a real quality year. You know, they made that run to the world series last year, at the division two level. Uh, and he's back, and you know he was a conference player of the year last year. And uh, you know he's a, he's a strong kid with some tools. I mean, he's got a real live body and a strong kid, and really great approach at the plate, very balanced. can drive the ball to all fields with some with some serious juice too. So there's some there's some definite upside there. You know, with him, uh, you know he's kind of a utility guy. They kind of move around from position to position. You know, my, I think his best position would probably be in the outfield. But, uh, you know, with that bat, he's going to be in the lineup all the time. Uh, another guy who stood out, too, was uh, Reed Stallman, the first baseman from Des Moines area, uh, bat-wise. You know, he's just a big, strong left-handed hitter who can launch him. You know, he's got that light tower power. Even if he misses the ball a little bit, the ball's all the way out to the warning track. And, uh, you know, he's going to lose some balls this,
0: uh, this fall and spring. So... You know, he was pretty impressive. All right. That's a lot of great stuff there, and Tad. Uh, appreciated all that insight into these players from the Puma Classic. All right. Now moving on to the next question, the most important question. Where can people find you next? What's the next stop on your respective scouting trails? Well, I just
2: got back from Alabama yesterday, saw that uh, JUCO, the state event they had yesterday down in Hoover, great event. You know, got a chance to see all the Alabama junior colleges, uh, some good talent down there. And then big one at Creekside this weekend, uh, another PBR event, another huge event where you're going to see some some quality
0: ranked teams. uh, 18 JUCO uh, teams, Oklahoma, Kansas, uh, Iowa, Missouri, just a, a loaded field once again. Yeah,
2: Crowders, the the elite uh, per, people in that group. You know, the Eastern Oklahoma's there this year. Uh, you know, they got Johnson County, Kansas- Cloud, Can-
0: Hutch, Barton. Yeah, a lot of Kansas- lot of really interesting teams.
2: Yeah, Kansas City, who came off a great year last year, and uh, they're yeah. probably going to be even loaded more. But uh, you know, you got the Iowa Centrals there, the Kirkwoods. Uh, you're going to have uh, some, and Des Moines areas there again too. So a lot of quality teams there. And then uh, Saturday, I'm going to be out in uh, Seattle uh, for the NWAC, uh, get a look at all the top JUCOs in the Northwest Conference out there. And, uh, you know, that's an event I haven't been to in the past, and I'm really looking forward to being out there and uh,
0: seeing the players that they have out there. When do you plan on sleeping this weekend, Tad? <laughs> on the plane. Okay, good call. <laughs> sife how about you, man? Where's, where's the next stop for you?
1: I mentioned earlier, I'm going to head down to Parkland here in a few hours, see their scout day. Uh, tomorrow's Heartland scout day. I'll be out there as well. And then Friday, I'm going to switch gears a little bit and go to the Division One four-year school route. And uh, I'm, uh, Eastern Illinois is playing at Indiana. So I'm going to see the uh, Panthers against the Hoosiers on Friday evening.
0: All right. And that concludes this episode of the Juco Wire podcast presented by Netting Professionals. We'll see you next week. That's a rep. Thank you to our sponsor, Netting Professionals. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, please leave us a rating and a review. This has been the PBR Juca Wire podcast presented by Netting Professionals. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.